Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. Jesus prays in Gethsemane. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Oh, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Man, that is so powerful. Thank you, Chica, for sharing that. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Adrian, and it is incredibly good to be back with you again this morning. Whether uh, you're watching this live here now, or maybe you're watching it on demand in a moment that more suits you. And my hope is something of what I share now in these moments from my chair brings encouragement to wherever you're listening to this uh, hopefully in a chair or maybe in a car, something like that, that it brings some encouragement to you. Um, Chica's just read out this amazing passage in Matthew chapter 26, where he details a prayer that Jesus prayed. And I want us to see that this is a prayer that I believe Jesus wants all of us to be marked by, shaped by, as we look at and continue in our series, A Living Prayer, where week on week we're discovering that we're called to prayer, prayer that shapes our lives, shapes like how we see God, shapes then like who we are and then shapes how we live. And my hope is that as again, we look at this, it brings encouragement of how prayer shapes our lives, reveals more of who God is, whether we're someone who's a follower of Jesus or someone who's kind of looking in saying, well, what does this all look like? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is God? And my hope is again, as we examine this prayer, it reveals something more of the wonder of who God is. You see, this prayer of submission is there to shape us. It shapes us in order that, again, we see something of who God is. And in that, and as we see more of who God is, it, 
it will shape how we live and how we get to live in the good of everything that Jesus has afforded us through his life, death, and resurrection. I want us to pretend it's not a hard prayer. To be honest, it's a, an uncomfortable prayer. It's a hard prayer because we live in a society where actually we're, we're kind of taught to kind of look after our rights and like think about what does this mean for me? And we're going to see that this prayer kind of stands in the face of that. But, but in it, I want us to see, though, it's a prayer that is at the very heart of Jesus. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed. We see this in this passage as we look in in this amazingly intimate connection and relationship we see kind of panning out and playing out between Jesus and his father in this garden of Gethsemane. And there's so much that we could look at in this garden. We haven't got time to look at it. We haven't got time to see and ponder the wonder of the relationship between Jesus and the father. We haven't got time to look and ponder the the horror of what Jesus recognized he was about to partake in as he was to endure the cross. To look on a horror of the cost of what he was about to pay. As he looked at this cup that revealed the, the horror of our self-centeredness and the cost that Jesus was going to take on himself in order that he would give all, in order that you and I could gain all in a relationship that's marked now through Jesus, of God's unconditional love and goodness. We haven't got time to kind of look at the, the kind of reason why this was necessary. But rather we get to see again just how amazing Jesus is. How amazing that Jesus is that he got to this point of seeing everything in front of him and not turning away that God knew that this was the plan. There was no other. This was the way. And what we discover is that in this unique moment, as Jesus faces up to the cross and says, hey, not my will, but yours, Father, that he then reveals actually what it is for any one of us to follow on from him. You see, Jesus is one who calls each and every one of us to pick up our crosses daily in following him. To be those who say, you know, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to die to myself. In order that I live in the good of who you are, Jesus. In the good of the life that you've afforded me. And therefore, this prayer that Jesus prayed becomes a model for the prayer that we're then to be shaped by. Of this prayer of submission. You see, at the heart of the prayer of submission is what Jesus says to his father. Your, your will, Father, not mine. Your will, Father, not mine. That's, that's the heart. That's the core of the prayer of submission. And as I said, that can seem like easy words to say, but the reality is when we've been bred uh, within a world that says, no, no, it's about my will. It's about my rights. It's about like what I want. Actually, these are not easy words to say. Actually, there are words that come and need to be pondered and considered in order that we don't say them lightly. Lightly, But I promise you, as we begin to live lives that say, no, Father, your will, not mine. Actually, we come to discover our lives then are shaped by the wonder of who this God is that we're submitting our lives to. 
and also living in the good of the life that he has for. As I said, these are easy words in one sense to say, but are profoundly hard in another. Therefore, I want to briefly unpack like how Jesus prays this prayer, the core of which is, Father, your will be done, not mine. See, firstly, I'd say it's about remembering. See, when we come to this prayer of submission, it's remembering the God that we're submitting to. See, what's amazing, this intimate moment of prayer of Jesus, there's that he doesn't address a distant God. He addresses still the one that he's always been in relationship with, the eternal father. He comes into the intimacy of that loving relationship. Is This is the one that he's submitting to. And this is the one that we're called to submit to. Not a distant God, but a, a loving God. A God who is marked by community within himself of father, son and spirit, eternally existing in love. Who's seeking to cause us to live in that same love and to live life shaped by God's unfailing goodness. See, God is a God who's longing for your best. He's longing for my best. He's not looking to harm us. He's looking to do us good. See, we need to come remembering this is the God that we're called to submit to. It's also understanding that this God who we come to Submit to understands what it means to submit. It's Jesus prayed this prayer in the most supreme way. Therefore, he knows. So we come firstly remembering. Secondly, we come recognizing. We come recognizing that actually there's a cost. There's a cost in saying, Father, your will, not mine. Jesus saw that cost. It was revealed as he saw the horror of what was going to come about, talked about in terms of this cup. In the cup revealed just the destructive power of our self-centeredness, our sin. God, Jesus recognized there was a God in dealing with that. that was going to cause him to give all in order that you and I could gain all. See, we need to be those that face up to the cost. Don't deny it. Don't pretend it's not there. See, sometimes that cost will feel light, but sometimes it will profoundly feel heavy. See, I know there's friends that I've got who are daily living out this, knowing that it's a heavy cost that they're paying to ensure they continue to live in the good, the life that Jesus has afforded them. And all they say, Father, your will, not mine. But you see, as you recognize that cost, it's then that thirdly, we seek to keep perspective. We keep to perspective on the fact that God is one who's longing to do you and I good. You see, Jesus in this moment, we're told later in Hebrews 12, had perspective that he saw the cup. Is there another way? Oh, there isn't. Father, you will not mind me. We're told in Hebrews 12 that actually it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. See that Jesus in this moment gets this perspective of realizing that all that he's about to endure, all the cost that he's about to go through, is with this perspective of the joy that it's going to bring him 
as he's able then to share with us everything that he gains for us. That we'd be able to live lives where we'd know we are unconditionally loved and accepted for God. You see, it's that perspective that we need to live with, that as we say, no, I'm willing to pay this cost, I'm willing to die to my rights, die to my way, in order that I'd know your way, Father, is knowing that actually God's always calling us to something better. That God's design for us is always something better. Even when we let go of something that we feel is good, in order that we would understand that what the Father has for us is better. Sometimes that can take a while to see. Sometimes we won't see it until we finally see God face to face. I promise you, it will be well. So we keep perspective, remembering recognizing keeping perspective and then fourthly i say it's about support this is uncomfortable part of this story that we see jesus in a different way to what we've seen him before you see in this moment jesus called out to his friends his followers for support he says like like stand with me pray with me cause me to know your comfort and Unfortunately, we discover they're just too tired. They can't do it. There's that humanness in them. And my guess is like me, you'd think, no, no, I would have been there, Jesus, I would have been there for you. I, I think I'd be more like them, just falling asleep. But the reality is, if Jesus needed support, how much more you and I? Like, I think so much, so many times we kind of live with this sense of, oh, it's about me and down to me. Whereas actually, no, what Jesus models is, no, even this prayer of submission is this moment of saying, I can't do this by myself. I need others to stand with me. I need others to come alongside and support me. It's that supporting that goes on and says, hey, I'm facing this moment where I know I've got to submit. I'm recognizing the cost. I see the perspective, but it still feels hard. And it's reaching out and saying, friends, like, stand with me. I know I've got many friends who I call up and say, stand with me. And in that moment, it's that I know I'm not alone. Like, what happens is they don't come alongside and say, what are you doing? Why are you taking so long on this? And then they come and say, come on, you can do this. Like, God's got you. Like, they pray for me in it. They bring comfort to me. It caused me to know, no, you, you're going to go through this. Like having others stand with us in prayer as we seek to live out this prayer of submission is deeply comforting. So it's remembering, it's recognizing, it's perspective, it's support. And finally, it's then choosing. See, ultimately, we have to get to that place of saying, Father, I remember who you are. Father, I recognize the cost that I need to pay here. Father, I remember the perspective that you're always one who's only ever gonna call me into something better. Father, I thank you for those that are supporting me. But ultimately we have to get to that prayer of choosing to say, therefore, Father, your will not mine like we have to get all and you see 
as we do, I, it feels like it becomes like a practice. And just to kind of quickly highlight four things, four ways that I find this practice of submission worked out in my life. And my guess is I, I think it may work out in yours like this as well. See, what I discover is it becomes a daily practice, one where from the moment I wake up, I, I have to pray this and say, Father, your will, not mine today. And here's the deal. When I don't pray that, the day doesn't go as well as it could have done. I find myself becoming more self-centered, which is destructive to not just me, but often to others. So firstly, it's about a daily prayer. Secondly, I'd say it's about moments of uncertainty. You know those moments where you hit it and you think, man, what is going on? Or what has gone on? Like those moments where you're just questioning why? And it's in those moments that we have to come and say, Father, I don't understand why, but I know that you're good. I know that you're loving and therefore I trust you. I submit my will to your will in this moment of uncertainty. I'd say thirdly, and it works out in the call to do something. Where we feel like God says, like, I want you to do this. And we think, man, but that's beyond me. But I remember when I knew that it was, that God was speaking to me about, like, taking on the leadership of Oasis Church. It's an amazing church made up of amazing different people. I remember thinking, man, but this is beyond me. Like, God, like, short me? I, I think you got this one wrong. Me? And having to get to that point saying, my father, your will, not mine. And then fourthly, I'd say it's about refining. It's those moments where God kind of highlights another area of my self-centered heart. And says, are you going to submit that part to me? And it's in that moment that there's this word that we use, repentance, which is like turning from one way of living to another. And it's like saying, right, I'm going to let go of this thing, of how I've been seeking to live. And say, God, I embrace how you're calling me. I'm not going to go that way. And so I think this practice of submission and the prayer of submission works out daily in moments of uncertainty, where we're called to something that feels beyond us. And then lastly, through those refining moments. You see, the more I practice this prayer, the more I recognize it is a moment of me relinquishing responsibility and trusting God. And ultimately what I've discovered is God is one who is so trustworthy, as he is full of love and goodness. Now, before I finish, I just want to hear once again from someone within Oasis, just to hear their story. We're going to hear from a guy called Chris, and it's an incredible story that he's going to share. I've just in it, what we're going to discover is something of the support he knew and something of just God's coming to him. So as we hear again of a story of someone's life shaped by prayer, uh, let's just see and hear what God wants to say to us. So if we need to run that story of Chris. That'll be... Hi, I'm going to share about a time when other people have prayed for me when I haven't felt I've been able to. One of the biggest, most defining moments of my life is when my son was diagnosed with cancer 18 months ago when he was three, nearly four years old. Although the build-up to his diagnosis had taken several months, the diagnosis itself seemed really sudden, shocking and traumatising. He was very poorly. I remember not being able to take it in and not really understanding what it would mean, what the treatment would look like, what life would look like, or that we'd ever 
or whether we'd ever leave the hospital ward again. I was terrified. Actively praying about the situation was out of the question. I could not even find the words. Sinead stayed with Reuben in hospital the very first night. He'd asked for his mum to stay. And I went home feeling exhausted and numb and scared to be apart from Reuben and Sinead. I'd heard the phrase waking up into a nightmare before, but I hadn't really understood what it meant until the next morning. Mercifully, I'd had a dream of sleep. And when I woke up, the gravity of the previous day's events hit me like a nightmare. And I longed to be able to go back to sleep again. The next night, I slept in, Reuben, in hospital with Reuben. I really wanted to be near to him, but I was scared of being apart from Sinead again. I was also scared of what the night would be like. At that time, Reuben's tummy was in such pain that he was waking 15 to 20 times a night, crying and screaming in agony. The hospital were giving some pain relief, but hadn't yet got the right balance of drugs. And as well as being scared for the future, I was nervous about that night. And as I lay down in the chair or the folding bed next to Reuben at night in the hospital ward, I remember the words to a song circling round my head again and again without stopping. And it continued to do so for several days. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Every time I woke in the night, and there were many times I woke that night, those words completely filled my mind. They felt like a physical cocoon of maybe safety is the right word. It didn't feel like a safe place to be, but at the same time, it felt like a comforting place to be. My understanding of this is that God was singing over me and Reuben, telling me, us, that he loved us, even as I lay next to the bed in which held my possibly dying son. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, and that's what that felt like. I just wanted to firstly say thank you, Chris, for sharing your story. Um, and secondly, just to say how amazing Christian Sinead have been as they've lived with uncertainty. Uh, I've found it deeply, profoundly um, shaping to my life and my faith. I've witnessed them and how they've journeyed and just wanted to say, well done, guys. Be amazing. I think also what Chris does is it, it just like, earth doesn't it everything we're talking about prayer shapes us it shapes how we see god and it and shapes who we are and how we live and my prayer is that as we get hold of this prayer of submission it will begin to shape us more and more as we discover more of who this god is that we submit to and more and more of how our lives then are shaped as we submit to him as we daily, within different circumstances, pray, Father, your will, not mine.